0: What's up? And welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan. I'm here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, how about that young Dumbledore trailer, bro? Yo,
1: Dumbledore, man, immediately more captivating <laughs> than Eddie Redmayne. My God.
0: Yo, Jude Law sex headmasters. Like, I need it. <laughs>
1: Not a headmaster yet.
0: Just the. Uh, I know. He's Transfiguration prof. But yes, yes I agree. <laughs> We're going to give some more thoughts on that and the Fantastic Beasts future, but before we start, I just wanted to ask everybody, uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, go to iTunes, download, subscribe there, leave a rating and review, and also go to SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcast to give us some feedback and support the podcast. We appreciate you. So, Young Dumbledore trailer dropped, what, last Tuesday, I think it was? Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday? It. Yeah, it was like midweek. Yep. It captivated Twitter for a while, a lot of buzz yes. around it. A lot what are your of thoughts on the trailer? Anything stand out to you?
1: Yes, things stood out positively. I'm am very excited for the movie actually because because of Dumbledore's presence. It just seems like this story, the second Fantastic Beasts movie taking place in like the 40s or whatever it is, so you know, 60 years before Harry Potter as everyone knows. That time is really interesting in Harry Potter lore, and it looks like, you know, from like the images and themes, it sounds like we're going to get a lot of like Deathly Hallows lore, because as we know, Dumbledore and Grindelwald, when they were together, but even after, you know, they grew apart, they were both very obsessed with the Hallows, and it's just, I mean, some of the coolest stuff regarding the Harry Potter universe, you know? The Elder Wand will probably show up at some point in this franchise. I'm just intrigued to see that starting to happen. What are we going to see with young Dumbledore? Just because we're just fleshing out. Cool backstory. It's it's going to be fun, unfortunately. It seems like Newt Scamander is still the uh, the vehicle for this, and the movies are still called Fantastic Beasts, so I don't know if we can get rid of Newt.
0: Yeah, you know, I wonder, though, I wonder if as this particular set of movies moves forward, if Fantastic Beasts will become more of a metaphor, you know, for, like, the stories about the people in it, especially Grindelwald, you know, going from uh, being this friend of Dumbledore, supposedly, I-, I guess assuming a, a good person or at least having mm-hmm. not evil intentions to going to be this this villain in this universe i was definitely disappointed that newt scamander still going to be the driving force because pretty much what i take what i remember taking away from the first one was just how kind of lame he was as a protagonist yeah. i think if jude law and johnny depp land in in their roles this time it will make a lot more sense for them to just keep moving more and more towards that so it'll really depend on their chemistry and and law looks looks like he's gonna be a great dumbledore i'm wicked excited
1: oh yeah i mean Drew Law Law's on a great run right now. Obviously, anyone who's been listening to Nostalgia for a while now knows our love for the young Pope from uh, early 2017. Check our reviews on that. Sounds not on the Nostalgia pod. But yeah, Drew Law Law's going to chew that shit up. And a young Dumbledore, we don't have any like frame of reference for what kind of character that would be. So he has a lot of freedom, I think, in that regard, of playing the character. This is another screenplay from J.K. Rowling. She did write the first one, directed by David Yates, who directed Fantastic Beasts. One, as well as every Harry Potter movie since Order of the Phoenix. So David Yates is basically like the Russo brothers are to Marvel. He's just in-house talent that Warner Brothers uses for this franchise. And I guess Rowling trusts him. I don't know if you saw this. On Twitter, there was some yeah. uh, buzz from the Harry Potter heads about that really nice-looking scene of a bunch of, I think, three people. I think they were the ministry people that were going to talk to Dumbledore. They apparate onto the grounds of Hogwarts and for when you first see the castle and there's it's explicitly said in the book there's like special charms you cannot appear anywhere on the grounds of High Hogwarts apparently it's always been the case and everyone was flipping the shit about you know David Yates and I'm like I hear you but J.K. Rowling wrote the fucking screenplay so there's obviously a right. reason that they're going to retcon in or make up you know so I don't know I just thought it was like well, let's finish the thought here guys J.K. is
0: involved what do you think I mean this is very typical for fans of any franchise like you need to stay so tight to the canon and that was the whole thing with star wars too is that people were mad that it was moving away from canon in certain ways but it's like who the fuck cares like it's such a little thing and if it drives the plot forward and it tells a good story like i can let go of like little things like that Mm -hmm. popping up but yeah you know you, you got those diehard harry potter fans who are gonna need everything to connect and make sense and you can't go against anything you're gonna take some liberties and spoiler alert harry potter is fiction so you can make a lot of this shit up because it's all been made up before.
1: <laughs> I'm excited to see Zoe Kravitz as Letter yeah. LeStrange. Obviously, Bellatrix LeStrange, infamous villain. The LeStrange family, uh, much like Sirius Black, the Black family, notorious like pure blood people. So we'll, I'm sure she'll be up to no good. So Dan Fogler is back. He was uh, Jacob Kowalski, that like bumbling guy who they uh, obliterated his memory. They wiped his memory at the end of Fantastic Beasts One. But he's still back in this one. So I'm curious if that if he's still in the gang and now he'll be like more comic relief. I don't know. It almost seemed like they wiped his memory as if they were planning to remove his character from the story. I don't know. Again, it's probably a minor thing, but something that stood out to
0: me. Yeah, I could imagine it's probably played for laughs, like Newt finds him again and like he's like, Oh, this seems so familiar. Like I can see that being a running
1: joke. And also I remember leading up to Fantastic Beast and where to find them, we were kind of excited to see the American Wizarding World, something we hadn't seen of course. But this one's back to uh, the UK and Paris, and I think that's actually going to be cool because just I feel like the vibe of the Wizarding World is so British, so much about everything is just so English about it that getting back over into Europe, I think, will probably be for the best.
0: Yeah, and you you know, you think about when they have the Triwizard Tournament. And all all the different schools come, mm-hmm. and they all seem to be from different places. I always wondered about those schools and what those were like. So seeing more about like the European scene in the magical world is going to be really interesting. And Paris is such a beautiful setting, just in general. It will be mm-hmm. really cool to see how they they kind of tie things together with that. But yeah, Young Dumbledore trailer, a lot to talk about. Very excited. When when's the release date for that?
1: Uh, November sometime.
0: So we got some time. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more as uh, more things pop up in the trailers. Something that kind of dropped, I guess I wasn't expecting it. I'm not sure if it was on your radar. Lil Dicky, Mm -hmm. Freaky Friday, dropped this past Thursday. You know, a single and and the music video to go along with it. Featuring Chris Brown, of course, if you've seen the music video, this makes a lot more sense. What what was your take on this? I was very surprised to see this from Lil Dicky, but it it, it was blowing up. This was huge.
1: Yeah, I think when I saw it last I saw this morning, had like 13 million views already. I'm sure that's climbing quick. Yeah, it was vaguely on my radar just because he had said earlier that he was going to come back musically this year. Uh, His big breakout, you know, Saved That Money, that was 2015. You know, nice, you know, chunk of time to wait. I mean, obviously, he's been doing fine. I know he's in a, what is it, Trojan commercial, right? Like, he's been around doing stuff, Mm -hmm. but not too much musically, honestly. He did that. Brain EP last year, which was really bad. It just wasn't funny. I'm kind of torn on this song. I think, what do you call it, uh, Freaky Friday with Chris Brown, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm torn on it because on one hand, there's funny stuff in there. It's a lot of classic like Lil Dicky being just the self-deprecating guy that he is, right? That's kind of his brand. Sonically, this is a Chris Brown song, arguably one of the better Chris Brown songs in a while, (laughs) but it doesn't feel like a Lil Dicky song. Watching the music video feels more like a skit. You know, I don't know if this is a single you can just put on before the, the video uh, goes into the song when they're at that dinner scene. Lil Dick, like The guy's making fun of Lil Dicky for not being a real rapper. And I kind of hope he like plays into that kind of like Ugly God does in traditional rap scene. You're a gag rapper. You make jokes. Let's drop the professional rapper shit you were doing on your debut album and just go full Lonely Island because that's what you do. And I'm just not sure if that's what he actually is gonna do. He's kind of trying to play the middle again. The song itself, I think, is pretty catchy. It's funny. It's a lot better than anything from last year.
0: Yeah, it's funny, and it brings in cameos with the enemy, I mean, yeah. Ed Sheeran's in it, and the DJ Khaled and Kendall. Was it Rihanna? No, Kendall Jenner. No, Kendall. Kendall Jenner. That's right. So there's definitely some funny elements to it. I thought I thought this was really well done. The music video was great as well. He actually does, I think, a pretty good job with most of his music videos mm-hmm. to kind of add stuff. I've been seeing a lot of people talking about. Him being like more Lonely Island, kind of like to your point, more Lonely Island than a legitimate rapper. The first person I kind of thought of was Weird Al. Like when I was watching this, I was just kind of like, that,
1: that's not an insult. That that, that that's no. a compliment. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. I think some people find Weird Al to be, oh, he just does parodies of the songs. But Weird Al actually has had probably the most long and successful career. Of oh yeah. Many moments, other than like the Rolling Stones. Over
1: over like, like twenty that. years, right? He's been yeah. been at it forever.
0: And he's touring right now. I mean, um. The thing is, if, if people were expecting Lil Dicky to ever become, like, a, a Logic or something like that, they just didn't really know who he was because this is just who he is. He's a funny guy. He's almost more comedic than anything at this
1: point. Right, and I guess that's kind of the thing, too, is he was on the XXL cover in uh-huh. spring right. 2016, and that kind of complicates it, right? Because that's supposed to be a sure. co of true hip-hop, you know? But he said it himself that he saw hip-hop as a a way to just grow his career and his, you know, outlet for his comedy, and that he's always had aspirations for TV movies and film, and I think that kind of will rub Pierce the wrong way, because he's not, like, about that hip-hop shit, which is fine, but don't occasionally tip your toe in and pretend you are, you know? It's fine. Just commit to what you're really doing.
0: I don't think it's that egregious, though. Like... If, uh, he has his bars are pretty good. It's not like he's writing these really lame ass.
1: I did think the N word joke was pretty yeah. poor taste, considering he's a white guy in hip hop.
0: Also, uh, I, uh, think I didn't he, like just that Chris Brown feels like a poor taste. Like, mm-hmm. pick a different a celebrity. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. I different.
1: saw a lot. a lot of tabloids were saying like
0: outrage for
1: Ed Sheeran and Kendall Jenner working with Chris Brown. I'm like, working? It was a cameo. Yeah, they were working they, with they, Little Dicky
0: involved, right, exactly. Like, relax. They were never all together in the same place. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Much. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah. Stupid. We'll see what, what he comes out with next. Obviously, this is the start of a rollout for Dicky, so I'm very curious to see what this album entails.
0: Yeah, I think, like you said, his last album didn't land very well, so this can only be good for him. Someone that you brought to my attention today, which I was surprised because I've been, I usually follow this artist pretty closely. Been working on an album up in the woods, man of the woods in Wyoming, dog, Kanye West. <laughs> The man of the woods, that's right. Man of the woods. (laughs) I can't wait to see those those ads where he's like chopping wood or lighting a fire out in the wilderness.
1: If you don't follow at Team Kanye Daily on Twitter, you should, or at least check out their account because they've been reporting about all the happenings in Wyoming. Kanye is holed up in Jackson Hole, right by the famous ski area, and He's not, I mean, he's not like he told anyone this, but he's working on his next album, similar to when he worked on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy in Hawaii. He's having everyone come to him. He's in his zone. He's got a space and he's working. And the list of names that he has working with him is ridiculous. I think that's what's getting everyone so excited because with social media, with Instagram stories and, you know, Snapchats and tweets and stuff, or uh, celebrity sightings from the paparazzi who are now camping out in Jackson Hole or just the fans that take pictures and then their pictures get posted on the Kanye Daily Twitter, everyone's getting spotted. I mean, uh, everyone's blowing up now because Drake recently got there, yep. which, I mean, I, they were together on GLOW on T-LOP, so that makes sense that. I mean, they, they had a great friendship. But Travis Scott, The Dream, Kid Cudi, usual suspects, Mike Dean, mm-hmm. Nas was there, uh, King Louis, Tony Williams, Plain Pat, Jaleel Beats, ton of producers are there. Drake even brought people with him. He brought one of his engineers, some of his songwriters. Pierre Bourne's there. He made uh, Magnolia for Cardi. Mm-hmm. Asap Bari was so- spotted. Wonder Girl. Like, There's a lot of people there. And it's just really exciting because it seems like we're in the next stage of that for the next album. I don't know if it'll come this year. I probably wouldn't bet on that.
0: No. I, I was going to say, I don't think this is, is close. I think it's probably... Probably April twenty nineteen. Yeah,
1: yeah, we're in sessions right now. Like they're working, they're writing, they're making the beats, and obviously we know how much of perfectionist he is. He literally wouldn't stop changing Life of Pablo, and he kept delaying it because he wasn't finished with it. And he really still didn't finish it. Some of the mixes were a little off, but so we know it's not anytime soon. But it's just exciting to know that it is in fact happening. And I believe his hair is pink. So oh, there's good. that.
0: It, the Kanye haired storyline is so like stupid at this point but there was like that rumor i think earlier and maybe end of last year i guess it was where he was like holed up in in the mountains and yeah was recording and then it seemed like that kind of fell off and Mm -hmm. you know he was spotted in la and maybe that was just like a one-off thing but this seems like like you said with so many people rolling through and producers and videographers this is a real this is really happening which is really exciting because i mean after connie's last album and his famous mental breakdown there was some speculation maybe he's going to focus more on his clothing line and really try to move away from music because it's too stressful and he doesn't really need to make more music at this Mm -hmm. point to solidify his legacy but he always has this kind of spectacle going the the recordings for my beautiful dark twisted fantasy like you mentioned are like legendary with the like what would Wu-Tang Clan do right yeah it's always interesting I I can't wait especially because you know Drake Nas like Mm -hmm. that's a fucking star-studded list of cameos that's on deck, so. Hopefully only good things to come. Yeah,
1: apparently, like, all, like, the TMZ sources and stuff, apparently they're all, Drake and Kanye are both staying in some, you know, fancy skiing hotel over there under fake names, but, like, yeah, with social media, and now that people know you're there, like, they can't (laughs) hide anymore, but, like, the first team Kanye daily uh, pictures was just, like, like kids, like, you know, like, 16-year-old kids taking pictures with Kanye on the street, and, like, it didn't look like he was actually hiding that hard. You know, because like yeah, Kanye's no, not an imposing guy, he could hide. But I think,
0: I think the fake names are just for booking the rooms. Right. I think they call up so that like no no one's like, "Yo, Kanye West booked a room for these dates and pop here." Yeah,
1: but and like now what it is is if any like anybody music related posts a picture and there's like snowy mountains in the back, people people like we know
0: where that is,
1: you know. <laughs> So, yeah, crazy. I mean, now everyone's teasing and stuff. Mike Dean was tweeting at the
0: Kanye dilly account. So
1: it's a whole thing at this point. But really exciting. We'll probably hear something next year.
0: Yeah, you know, someone that I was actually thinking could really benefit from a, uh, being on a Kanye track. Your guy, Bishop naru oh, Did I say that right? Yeah. Naru? Yep, that's right. Yeah. So he dropped his al- album Elevators Act 1 and 2, which was K Trinata produced for the first half and then Doom produced for the second half. I was very interested in this guy because when I was reading up on him it said that he's been making raps and, and, and like kind of anointed to be this next huge rapper since he was 13 Yeah, it's fucking crazy dude. and th- this album was good not great and I, I kind of want to hear your take on it but what I left with which is really interesting is though this guy spits I just wanted another Kei and a Doom album like I just <laughs> I just wanted to sure. hear that more than I wanted to hear anything more from him what was your yeah.
1: take no yeah I think that that's an important place to start is just his age he's only 21 but he released his first official mixtape five years ago when he was 16 and having someone break out in hip-hop at 16 isn't that rare especially nowadays with soundcloud rap but to have someone still be around and people still paying attention to after five years is actually impressive and he has the mf doom co-sign. he's had it for a while now um, him and doom released a collaborative ep neruvian doom back in 2014 doom is obviously an enigmatic figure Mad Villainy, a classic album. On the other hand, he's made some weird choices, but he doesn't give out his cosign, So I think that really does mean a lot. And of course, getting Katrin not to, to produce half the records, really good too, considering how hot in demand he is these days. But the album, I, I agree with you. It's good, not great. I think he definitely spits. And it's, at the end of the day, it's just like really good jazz rap. And yeah. anyone who is put off by trapping or doesn't like the overbearing materialism that you find in a lot of rap, you need to listen to people like Bishop Naru because they offer something completely different within hip-hop and artists like him obviously they're not as marketable and they don't get as famous and even Bishop Nauru he's like internet known but he hasn't blown up or anything he's just like been on DJ booth for years now at this point people just know who he is and they listen to him they know he's good you gotta have to seek those guys out if that's what you're looking for but yeah I mean it would be great if he could get a little more of a push just because I think he's ready I I actually liked his last mixtape a little more than this. It's pretty recent. It came out last December. It's called uh, Emperor Nuru's New Groove. And there's, like, <laughs> samples from the Emperor's New Groove, like, in the mi- in the mixtape. And that was, like, a, a mixtape with, uh, like, probably 15 tracks. But I didn't think there was much fat on it at all. And there's a lot of songs I really like and i like to go back to. But he's definitely an artist to pay attention to. And I'm sure a lot of people have no idea who he is, which makes sense. Oh, and he's also... He's from close to where you where you live. He's from Rockland County, uh, Nantucket.
0: Shout out Rockland County. You know who who I was actually thinking of when I was listening to him was kind of like Lupe Fiasco. Someone who's just a really can write really great rhymes, very clever. Isn't really like that trap sound. More of a, a jazzy or instrumental type feel to the backing. No, he. I think he's very promising. It's interesting to listen to someone like him and then listen to XXX Tentacion. Yep, <laughs> which I mean. Totally different vibes on these albums. This is XXX. I was just gonna call him X. Yeah, right?
1: people call him X. Yeah.
0: X. So th- this is X's second album Correct. after he dropped 17 last year, which we reviewed. Go to YouTube and check out our breakout for that. If, if you're an XX or if you're an X fan coming here uh, and you wanna go hate on Dave, he <laughs> ripped that album apart. Spoiler alert. It was so. bad, dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, so th- was question mark any better?
1: Uh, Short answer yes, is better. I think it's pretty obviously better. Uh, 17 was a whopping, like, 22 minutes. This one is, like, what, 40 minutes or something, but...
0: I think it's, like, 33.
1: It's got a lot of tracks, but similar theme is they're all a minute and 40 seconds to two and a half minutes. There's only two songs over three minutes long on the whole record. And what stood out to me was the mix is a lot better. Some of the songs just sounded like shit on 17, but X is such an interesting guy uh, just because he's so fucking popular and so famous, despite, like, kind of his, like, come up first bust on the scene with his song look at me which has since gone platinum that was the flow that drake ripped off on the song on more life with gigs
0: right you know and that's
1: kmt kmt right and that's where that whole beef started and since then x is incredibly popular with young like gen z kids i'm sure some are watching right now they really love this dude and that's despite the fact that he's currently on house arrest for some pretty gross domestic violence charges. I and many people were judging him hard last year when he was pretty unremorseful about the way he was going about his business. I mean, I know DJ Booth even refused to even review Seventeen just because, you know, we're not going to support that. But he was an XXL freshman last year, and he, there was a lot of violence at his shows and stuff. But since then...
0: yeah. He got knocked out on stage, right? Yeah, that was where his beef with Rob
1: Stone happened because Rob Stone basically was like, nah, I ain't fuck with this shit. I'm just going to have someone knock you out. And so you go to Rob Stone videos now and you'll see mad thumbs down because all the ex-fans are coming to hate in the comments. But yeah, anyway, since then, since he's been arrested and gotten more eyeballs on him, he's tried to turn his life around. I got to give him credit. I mean, he partnered with the Miami Children's Institute and he's been talking to kids and stuff.
0: He made a pretty big donation to domestic violence right.
1: too. And so you got to give him credit for that. Now, the message he has on his music is still, I think, pretty half-baked, pretty fake deep. You know, he's all like, open your mind, third eye. Right. Like, It's like, all right, guy, like, you're not, not as deep as you think you are. Maybe you'll get mm-hmm. there, but it's not that there yet. So it, I'm kind of annoyed that like all these little kids like worship the dude because it's not like he's telling them anything. But that being said, he's his music's all over the place. emo some trapping, some cloud rap. Would you think? There's a lot of genres on the question mark.
0: Yeah. I mean, it jumps from like folky acoustic to jazz to like new metal at times. Yeah, it's kinda sure. crazy. When I was listening to this, I just thought that this is like his pure id, basically. Like he makes albums the way that if you didn't have any like anything to control you, you would just like throw the stuff out. Which I th- is probably why he connects so well with teenagers, is he's mm-hmm. complete emotion. Sure. Now how deep that emotion goes, like you said, is questionable and a lot of the songs i wasn't really moved by any of them or it's like an
1: unfinished idea that he just he mixed and put on the album anyway
0: but you know it's interesting to think about someone like yachty and then someone like xx yeah. or x because yachty like we talked about last week he was the king of the teens and then he turned 20 and he's finding his new identity and basically it's like i'm rich you're not x is just like this is everything I feel. I'm just going to throw it out there and see what sticks. And I, I respect that more because he's at least trying to convey a feeling or express a feeling or an idea, it's especially like a song like Schizophrenia, where he talks about like mental health and his struggle with it. It's at least like talking about something, unlike Yanni. Mm-hmm. So I, I give him some credit for that. Did all of it land? No. I think if I had to look at the songs that stood out, maybe like sad, numb, and Schizophrenia seemed to be like... The three that stood out to me.
1: Sad Um, was a a lead single and that immediately blew up as soon as he put it out. I think that one's going to be really popular.
0: It it was like almost jarring at times, like how it would go from so soft to like craziness. Do you think this is an artist that's going to have real long term appeal or is he like a flash in the pan? His fans are rabid.
1: That's the thing. He also does fucking numbers. Like we talked about how Yachty has had some modest sales totals, right? Despite being incredibly famous fucking x i mean 17 to 88 000 first week and then stayed top five for a while him and uzi were competing at that time and then what do you call it? question mark's projected to go 125 this week that's like on par with bobby tarantino too you know i mean he's doing numbers so i think these loyals fans they're gonna be with him for a while at least because he's one of the most famous and most popular of the soundcloud era like him or not
0: he gets some good people to work with him, too. I mean, Joey Badass, Travis Parker, uh, PNB Rock was on this as well. So it's not like people are shying away from him because of – well, actually, at least those artists aren't shying away from yeah. him. You can't speak about other people do this
1: controversy. I remember, uh, I mean, Kendrick tweeted out uh, when 17 came out, and The Weeknd tweeted a question mark the other day. He's got some cosigns, even if Drake is not one of them. And I think he's – and he's connecting with the young kids and i mean hopefully he can hone his pen game a little bit but you know he's gonna be around so you know i think this album is even for your morbid curiosity jump in a little bit because the songs are short just
0: understand yeah. what the hype is about yeah and that, it's interesting because we had that discussion about valet last week and how his songs were short it seems like that's direction most of these people are moving towards but definitely an intriguing figure publicly and musically we'll be talking about for a while a movie i don't think i'm going to be talking about for a while is tomb raider dog the queen alicia vikander stars as laura croft in this and she is by far and away the best thing about it but other than that incredibly forgettable and actually when i was looking at the Rot- rotten tomato score for this i was like i bet it would be like a, a 37 38 maybe even like a 40 it's a 50 50 right now yep which i actually said that's probably right yeah you know <laughs> I mean, it
1: it makes sense. 98 positive, 98 negative. The appeal is mixed. It makes sense. Because, like you were saying, Vikander does a lot with a little in this movie. And I think I'm almost rooting for it to do well because I want to see a sequel because I think at the end of the movie, there's potential. But this movie itself is very straightforward and doesn't really mess with any B-plots, which I thought was commendable in terms Mm. of focus. But what that leaves you with is a movie plot that is incredibly overwrought with the daddy issues. And I'm not a guy who hates the daddy issues. Usually having a complicated dad is a fine part of, of character, especially an origin story, whether it's Rogue One, Molly's Game, or it's Batman, whatever it is, right? But... I just felt like Lara Croft was really shortchanged here because everything about her character and all of her decisions were made regarding her dad. She's supposed to be a strong, independent female character that's really inspiring and it's great to watch her kick ass and shit and she gets to a better place, but I just thought this origin just really hampered her down.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I had not really thought too much about that. Um, I think because none of the real emotional parts in the movie landed for me. I, I thought it was kind of stupid that her dad first of all was alive on this island. Yeah, like, it, I was like, oh, she
1: finally got away from the dad. The dad motivating her to go to the yeah. island on her first adventure <laughs> and start the legacy. Yeah. Fine. But then the dad's back, and now she's worried right. about safe. Like, come on, just let her go. Yeah.
0: And Dominic West was—I mean, he was okay. It, it, like, but, but when he was like the old man, on the island it was, was hammy. Like, Just yeah, don't don't look. I was like, oh god, I can't believe that this guy was, was McNulty and now he's doing this <laughs> shit. Like, come on, dog. You know, I. It, so the, this movie only made twenty three point five million. It lost to black panther at the box office which shout out black panther five weeks tying avatar at the top of the box office for most weeks in a row pretty crazy the appeal and the numbers that movie has done but this movie's gonna it's gonna be a huge loss for this studio
1: well not necessarily because it's actually doing incredibly well overseas Uh, the Ah. movie's up to 128 million when you count uh, worldwide and it
0: needs what another hundred million to break even. Yeah, I'd
1: probably need another hundred million. The budget was a ninety-four, which is you know th- that's low end for a big blockbuster, but that's not cheap. And like you said, it, it didn't didn't do great over here. And with Pacific Rim and Ready Player One coming, as well as the enduring receipts for Black Panther, it's not going to make a whole lot more here. It'll probably top out you know under fifty. So you got to hope that it does well overseas. It surprisingly got forty-one million in China. I kind of want them the, the money to get there, so they can try and continue it. Because I thought at least can't her, someone we've called the Queen lovingly for a while, because she's such a great performer, and I love watching her act. She does, like I said, she does a lot, a little. She did a lot of her own stunts, evidently, but she's a great actress. And when given the opportunity, I think she can be really fun. We kind of saw her in *The Man from U.N.C.L.E.* in 2015, kind of in like right. a spyish movie, and I think she can tap into that again if she just actually fully becomes a tomb raider if given the chance
0: yeah i was thinking about not only like this role for her but just like her the direction for her in general and obviously after the danish girl She's moved in like a direction of doing some more commercial, which it makes sense. She, she wants to be marketable. She wants to be a huge star. I don't blame her. But I commend her because unlike someone like Jennifer Lawrence, who's been in some bigger films and I think has kind of mailed it in, I feel like she never mails it in. Like everything she's in, she jumps off the screen. She fucking kills it. <laughs> now, this is also – I'm saying that after Jennifer Lawrence, who I'm comparing her to – was fucking great in Red Sparrow where she very well could have just mailed it in Mm -hmm. and she didn't. So I I give her props for that. But Vikander, I almost don't want her to be in another Lara Croft movie because it just feels like these video game movies are too hard to make legitimately good. I'm not sure if I know why that is. Do you have any theories around that?
1: And that's the thing. Tomb Raider itself doesn't feel like a video game movie to me. It's just an adventure story. You can totally make this a good movie if you just probably... Had a more talented guy behind the camera and maybe worked on the script a little bit. I thought some of the dialogue in Tomb Raider was a little simple. Like these traps aren't supposed to keep us out, and all the audience is like, they're supposed to keep you in. Like, like <laughs> and I mean, the, the the plot itself was very predictable. Just fine, it's an ordinary story. I think I haven't even said this yet, but I think overall, for what it was, a, an actiony movie, it's perfectly entertaining. But. This could have been a lot better, and I think that's the problem with video game adaptations is we're always wanting them to be better than they end up being. But yeah, to your point about Vikander, if she was to avoid more franchise stuff, yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, last year, I haven't seen it yet, but she was in Tulip Fever with Christoph Waltz and Dane DeHaan, a movie that has like a nine on Rotten Tomatoes. Totally loathed, but I really want to see what she does in the movie because I love her yeah. performances. But yeah, there's nothing on on her calendar right now. We don't know what her next project is you know after this press tour maybe she'll sign on to something
0: you know actually i want to disagree with you real quick i felt like like at parts it felt very much like a video game think when, so when she was on the boat and it was crashing it was like how is she going to get from there to there oh she has to climb across like the the thing over that's true okay and then there was like the part where she was running away from walton goggins henchman and she jumps in the river and then she gets on the, the the plane airplane and she's like okay i have to go here now i have to do this now i have to do that it was sure. parts it was kind of like all right, it's kind of like A, B, C, D, press the B button, put the right stick up, you know? Well, um,
1: and I mean, that actually does kind of make sense because this was based off of the, the story was based off the 2013 Tomb Raider reboot uh, game from Crystal Dynamics. I mean, that climbing actually has at the end. It looks exactly like the climbing actually used in the game, for example. The thing with the ship happens in the game and there's actually a new Tomb Raider game coming out this year. So maybe they will have more material. I mean, I was thinking again about every time a video game movie comes out, I mean, we did this recently with Assassin's Creed. In 2016, which is fucking horrible. That's the thing. I don't think Tomb Raider is bad at all. I think it's okay right. for what it is, which explains the uh, middling reception. But every time you know, we have all these big franchises, and people get attached to them. Like, remember Tom Holland is apparently going to play Nathan Drake from Uncharted. Remember when we talked yeah. about that? No, nothing since. I mean, Peter Jackson was attached to Halo for a while. Then Neil Blomkamp was. Bioshock has had a bunch of scripts written allegedly <laughs> like Gears of War etc everything but nothing ever seems to work and I don't know what the problem is I just feel like I think the, a lot of stories in video games for those big big stories could be done as movies they just don't have a good enough people doing I don't know what the reason is maybe it is video games
0: I had a couple of thoughts I, I think one if you're looking to get the same feeling you get when you play a video game, you're just never going to get it because it's right. such a sense of accomplishment you get from a video game when you beat a level or you overcome something, you figure something out. But you know, and maybe this is the problem with this one. I also wonder because we talked about why Black Panther was so good, and we said Michael B. Jordan. I mean, he was the best villain they've had. It made a lot of sense. It was thought provoking. Like Walton Goggins in this movie was like apathetic. Uh, yeah, at least that's, that's the way I felt in this <laughs> yeah, role. Like he. I agree. I felt like he mailed this in, and I wonder if it's, uh, like, how good can a video game villain really be at the, you know? The right, train- and
1: and that actually brings up a point that I usually tend to agree with, that's been floated around a lot, is that a lot of the best video game stories are usually just twists on movie stories, or would have just been bet- or, or better as movies, like, Uncharted is Indiana Jones, and The Last of Us is Children of Men, like, there's pretty obvious analogues for a lot of the good video game stories. And also, like, the, even once that have obviously analogues, are those stories good enough to make it into a show or into a movie? You know, you have to actually think about that. Stories uh, go farther in games when they're good than they would on screen. So I think not every you need to do a lot of work if you want to really make it into a show because you might have to straight up improve the story. It's not a straight up adaptation because you're straight up ad- ad- adapting the story. It's probably going to be kind of like what we got on Tomb Raider. It's fine. But when you compare it to any other kind of movie, even in that genre, it you know, doesn't really hold up.
0: You know, it's, it's too bad, too, because if you think about Tomb Raider and when it's coming out with all the groundswell that there was around like Wonder Woman, this had the recipe to be like right. a huge hit and, and such a meaningful movie for women and feminism by just kind of tying her up in the daddy story, like you said. And it just kind of it, it could have been more and it just isn't. So maybe I'll get another shot. and It could be. We'll see. And and that that's the thing
1: too. When Tomb Raider was rebooted recently, with the Crystal Dynamics games, Lara Croft didn't have the ridiculously large breasts that she had back in the day in the old games, (laughs) where it was just straight up being objectified and sexualizing Lara Croft. Mm -hmm. So like they they took back the character and made her into you know an icon for strong women. Mm-hmm. And I just wish the movie could have been better to continue that because Vikander, you know, she got fucking swole shit for this movie and she's a great actress. It, it was all on the table. I just didn't totally get there.
0: Yeah, I saw uh, I saw people on Twitter talking about how Laura Croft isn't big breasted enough in this movie, and someone Stupidest someone thing. took a picture of Icander was like I fixed it, and they made her her breasts like pointed like they were in the original video game when they were huge, and they was like, hey, is this what you want to see? Like, it's such a ridiculous like storyline, and it, like just sexualizes a character that's supposed to be like a badass strong woman. Like, it's it's disheartening sometimes, but maybe like like I said, maybe they can get another shot to make it right. Speaking of strong protagonists, though. How about this show, Collateral, on Netflix? Hell yeah, dog. It's a four-episode miniseries from S.J. Clarkson, first premiered on BBC2 in Europe. Yeah, just and just last month. It was just on over there. Oh, so it's very recent. It stars Carrie Mulligan as Detective Gillespie, and she kind of is thrown into this whodunit about this pizza man who's killed. He's, uh, I'm trying to think, is the Iranian?
1: a uh, Syrian.
0: Syrian, that's what he's, Syrian and the show kind of goes off into a bunch of different directions you know a lot of people are are, are talking about this show right now and there's a couple of aspects to it there's the shortness of, of it only being four episodes of people like there's you know the fact that it's really well acted and really well written and really well done yep but i think the aspect that's most intriguing is the the political side of it and mm-hmm. we're only going to talk i think about the first like two or three episodes so we're not even gonna really get into spoilers today but what have you liked about the show or have you liked?
1: No, you nailed it. I think it's the setting, the tone of the film, it, uh, There's a show rather. It's post-Brexit contemporary England. And as Americans, we can kind of relate to the themes of nativism and xenophobia and issues with immigration and bias towards people from the Middle East. I mean, a lot of that we understand as Americans, but seeing like the British twist on that is pretty great because like you said the writing is is so so strong and it, you, you said it was a it, but it really isn't a who done it because no, by the end right. of the first episode you know the identity of the killer it's more of a why done it mm-hmm. which frankly yeah. i find way more interesting as a four episode miniseries they don't have time to plot around and play with the mystery aspect it's really more about the themes which frankly is more interesting i think this is definitely a show that should be on the top people's list to watch a because it's very easy to watch it's only four hours but also because it's not just in the class of, it's really good, or it, it's in the hall of very good, you know, this is actually great, because the writing, the themes, the setting, everything is, it's unique, but it's also, it's not fucking law and order, you know, it's it's yeah. it's better than that, it's bigger than that.
0: Yeah, and I, I think one of the things with the writing that's really impressive is how there's so many different relationships that are interwoven, you know, it's almost like everybody is connected in some way, and just by chance they seem to all be connected, but it's not, it doesn't feel like it's, like, too much, like, oh, how would they ever know each other? It's like, well, it makes sense that that person would know that person and mm-hmm. it's connected. They also, you know, Glassby kind of being the person that moves the plot along and the tying factor between a lot of these people, she also is, like, a strong female, I guess, protagonist, a plot driver, who very easily could have been someone that they throw into this, like, troubled detective role. But no, she's, like, a, a satisfied uh, mother who has a good relationship but just really likes her work.
1: right yeah i mean she's a lot like she's not like marge in fargo yeah the movie exactly they are both pregnant that's an obvious thing but the characters are similar and i mean i haven't seen top of the lake but i've seen that she's also being compared to robin elizabeth moss's character from top of the lake as well and like you said it's not the difficult detective that is carrying something deep in their chest like fucking rust coal on true detective you know Ah. we like those characters but it was done a lot the same way the difficult man in a, a drama was done a lot with uh-huh. you know Draper and Walter White and stuff. So seeing a little different twist on that, which is, is good, it goes a long way. And I mean, we spoke to the writing. This was created and written by David Hare, someone whose work I'm not really that familiar with. He's really most well known for his West End theater work over in England. But he does have two best adaptive screenplay nominations, most recently for The Reader back in 08. So he's a talented dude, and it really shows. Him. He actually did theater work with Carrie Mulligan before, so I think that probably got her on the show because she's really the only star of note. Everyone else is a lot of uh, you know, British talent that hasn't really done a whole lot of really high notable stuff, but I think the writing really makes it strong. And like you mentioned, that everyone's really connected. I think if the writing wasn't as strong, the like suspension of disbelief with kind of get in the way because London's a big city and a lot of these people are really connected and it could have made it feel small if the story wasn't actually being told in such a strong way.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's it's worth watching and if if you have a gap in your Netflix, which I mean, shout out to you if you if you don't have anything to watch on yeah, Netflix at this the fuck point. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, put it at the top of your priority list to watch. We'll be revisiting it with some final thoughts in the future, maybe next week or the following week, depending on how things fall anything else you want to talk about this week that we didn't get to
1: i think that's really it for what has happened this week i know next week or so friday uh, jack white's Mm -hmm. third solo album boarding house reach comes out i know some of those singles have been really well received some have been kind of weird so i think this album is definitely going to be interesting that's for sure i'm looking forward to that on the movie front Pacific Rim Uprising, the second Pacific Rim film is coming out. No Guillermo del Toro this time, but John Boyega is in. So that's the movie that I'm going to see because I think it'll deliver on what I'm asking for it. I want to watch dudes and mechs fight big monsters and I think <laughs> it'll achieve that check that box for me. So, uh, I think so too. Yeah. And then so Isle of Dogs, Wes Anderson's ninth film movie we're very excited for is going to yep. be in very limited release this weekend. And we're going to try and see it. We're not promising that we'll get to it, but I want to get to it as soon as possible, so we'll talk about that. And then Sunday, three shows of note are coming out. Uh, Billions on Showtime, and that's not a show we watch, but it's pretty popular. Trust on FX from Danny Boyle. That's basically the all-the-money-in-the-world movie story about the Getty kidnapping in a show. Brendan Frazier's in it, and Donald Sutherland is playing the uh, Christopher Plummer role as uh, John Paul Getty. And then Silicon Valley is back as well on Sunday on HBO, The first season since T.J. Miller left so I'm interested to see what the energy on that show is like since Miller is gone.
0: Yeah it was interesting because I listened to a podcast that had Jin Yang on it and he talked about how T.J. Miller was awesome to him and he really gives a lot of his uprising as a comedian to him and then the the interview done by the the four stars of the show kind of bashed him and said that you know he was very disinterested difficult to work with falling asleep on set so it'll be interesting right. to see how they move forward and, and move on with the show but now nah, silicon valley you got to watch uh, regardless of t- if tj miller's there or not
1: i know uh, we kind of criticized season 4 for oh, some wheel spinning but even even if the narrative is wheel spinning the show's still fucking funny so it's, it's not like I'm going to check out of the show or anything. So I'm happy it's back.
0: So we got a, a couple of things to talk about next week. And uh, I'm sure way more will come up. But in the meantime, if you have thoughts, if you want to tell us which video game movie you want to see or what could make a video game movie better, comment on our, our breakouts. Interact with us on Twitter at NostalgiaPod, at Martin Swagger, at She Need World Peace. And like I said at the beginning of the show, share with friends, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, give us a rating and re- review on iTunes. It helps us out immensely, and we appreciate you. Any last thoughts, Dave?
1: Go watch Collateral. No excuses.
0: Go watch Collateral. And check out that that Elevators uh, Act 1 and 2. I really appreciate that album. All right. We'll catch you next week.